Are you ready? As ready as I'm going to be. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's do it. Thank you for joining us on The Change Artist, where we bring our listeners stories and great advice for leading and following through change from business leaders who are making a difference in their organizations. Here on The Change Artist, our motto is, if change is the only constant in life, then let's do it better. So let's jump right in. Jen, what is your top piece of advice for leading through change? My top piece of advice for leading through change is to embrace it because it's going to come no matter what it is that you do. And if you learn to just sit in that mess and the moment and that discomfort, you'll be able to learn and grow through the process. That's great. Now, so for those of you who don't know her, Jen Campbell is a personal brand strategist that helps entrepreneurs use their values and life story for more impact, influence, and income online. So let's get back to your advice a little bit. Talk to me a little bit about what it means to embrace change. What does it mean to embrace change? It means that for me, I just, I sink into it. I try not to fight against it too much. And the most important thing I, I remind myself is what can I learn from this? Because focusing on that positive or that one moment or that nugget or whatever that thing is, a lot of times helps me move through the chaos and just say, okay, how am I going to get stronger from this? And sometimes you don't know. It's not until you, the change is complete or you change as a person that you realize, hey, this is what I learned through this process. So do you have a way that you think about, because I like this idea of thinking about change in retrospect and making sure that we take a moment to pause reflect on what we've been through, and then move forward intentionally. So do you have a way that you think about doing that retrospective, about thinking through where you've been and, uh, and what you can learn from those experiences? Definitely. Uh, one of the things I believe is that people are fundamentally good. I believe there's good in every person. And I, one of my other core beliefs is that I believe that people are ca capable of change and growth. And there's good in any situation that you go through. And focusing on that one piece of good has really helped me be able to overcome those things. And I, I like to take a moment. Sometimes it takes me a while to get there because I have to just sit with whatever it is that's difficult and reflect back on it. How do I do that? One, I do it when I'm setting my goals. I do it when there's a change of season. And then most importantly, during those transition times, those times of major change, it can be a death of someone close to you. It can be with a job. Some, some sort of other shift financially in your life, shift in a relationship, a milestone birthday. Those transition times are really a moment to evaluate who you are as a person in your personal brand and take control of whatever the narrative of your personal life story is. As we think about then setting goals and thinking retrospectively, as we think about resetting, resetting goals, talk to me a little bit about some of, for example, some of your goals for this year and how you want to think about course correcting over the course of the year. Ooh, that's a great question. One of my goals is to be on 50 podcasts like I am on this one or do live presentations in Facebook groups. And the reason why I'm doing that is because it makes me feel uncomfortable. And sometimes even though we have a message that we want to share with other people, it's hard to be visible and put ourselves out there and be authentic and be real with people because it opens us up. And when we're vulnerable, that opens us up to being ridiculed or people might not accept who we are. And that's when you know that it's the most important thing that you need to do. And the other thing about setting those goals quarterly or whenever you're looking back, sometimes you don't meet them. And I have several on my list right now. And I look at that and I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's hard not to beat yourself up. Like I'm not where I wanted to be. 
I'm not where I wanted to be in life. I'm not where I wanted to be because this major change is happening. But you're exactly where you need to be in that moment. And it's looking and saying, all right, what am I learning from this experience? And like I said, what am I learning from this experience? It might be a sarcastic tone in your mind until you can say, all right, there's just one thing. There's at least one thing. And maybe it's I'm learning to be patient because this is not going as fast as I want it to. But there's always one thing. I think it's also about figuring out what the right goal is. We can set goals with numbers attached, and those can be really easy goals to articulate. But is that really what we're chasing? You know, if you're chasing a weight loss goal, are you actually chasing weight loss or are you chasing another health outcome? Right. And there are a lot of different ways to get there. Mm -hmm. And it's the, it's more than anything. It's what quality of life do you want? What attributes, what values are important? What do you really care about and what's going to bring you joy? And usually it's that trigger. Sometimes it's something that we choose ourselves and sometimes it's thrust upon us, whether it's in business career, whatever it is. But that's the moment that we have the opportunity to say, what's most important to me? What do I value? Who do I want to become? And then we can set the goals based on that. So I want to tack back to something you said earlier around embracing discomfort, embracing some vulnerability. I think a lot of us, when we experience change at work, we find ourselves uncomfortable. We find ourselves in a vulnerable position and have a tendency to allow that to dictate our response to change. So how, how do you think about embracing vulnerability, embracing discomfort in a constructive way? I did it this morning. I posted a video on social media and I was making fun of myself. And I even sang and danced a little bit on it. And I was like, this is how I feel when I'm making a reel or posting a TikTok to social media. And I pointed at the air and I pointed at the sound and I made a little song up about it. And I snapped and I was like, this is a cringy video. And I did not want to post it. And my teenagers are going to be so mortified. They're not on social media, but like if their friends found out about it, oh my gosh. And that's the moment I knew I needed to do it anyway. Because if I can't get over myself and my own discomfort, and my job is to teach people how to be more authentic on social media, what kind of example am I setting? Is that who I really want to be? My authentic self, you know, I am cringy sometimes. Sometimes I say things that are super embarrassing and do things that I wish I could just like take an eraser and scrub from my existence, but that's okay. It's those messy, messy parts. Like I, I, I often tell my clients, I'm like, you want to show your authentic self on social media. You don't want to show people the hot mess version of who you are, but you can give them a warm mess version. You know, that authenticity is what really helps us connect with other people. This theme of authenticity, it comes up a lot in, in business. It comes up a lot in work. It comes up a lot as we talk about leaders. And so what does authenticity mean sort of beyond the, the warm mess videos, right? Like what does authenticity mean for you when you think about leading teams and being authentic with your teammates and team members? I've spent a lot of time listening to Brene Brown and her focus is really on authenticity and being your true self. And she's spent a long time researching that and shame and how it's linked to that because we don't want to be ashamed of, of, of who we are. To me, authenticity means you are who you are, no matter where you are. So that doesn't mean that, you know, you don't have a certain role as a leader with a team that you need to set a certain example, but it's a matter of being vulnerable and saying, you know, maybe I don't know the answer. Can you help me with this thing? Yes, I'm your boss, but I don't know. Let's look into that. I'm not sure. And, you know, there's a fine balance between being like, dude, I have no idea and, and undermining your own confidence, leadership, and just being like, hey. 
it's okay that we don't know. It's okay that there's this uncertainty because they've restructured the company right here. We're going to pull together because who we are as people is, is better than the situation. And it's okay. And how do we think about building that kind of vulnerability, building that kind of connection through vulnerability, baking that into our personal brand? That's huge. Bob Berg is a great salesperson. And he said, I don't know the exact quote, but it's pretty, pretty close to this. All things being equal, people need, will buy from and refer to people they know, people they like, and people they trust. So if our teams don't really know us as a person, they can't trust us. And you know whether or not they're buying from us physically because we operate a store, they're buying into your ideas, they're buying into the company culture, and they're buying into trusting you as a leader of the team. So that means you might share personal things, but sharing a little bit about your hobbies, how you like to spend your spare time, and most importantly, learning about them so that you know when their birthday or the special moments in their life are, so that they feel like they can reach out to you when they're going through something difficultly in their personal life that might impact their work life. And that you'll understand and appreciate that because when people feel seen, acknowledged, recognized, then they feel valued and they're most, they're more likely to stay with your company that way too. So why would you say then from your perspective, why is personal branding so necessary? Is it just as basic as connecting with each other or is there something more around personal branding? Your personal branding, it's based on connection, but it's telling your story. It's letting people know this is who I am. On social media, it might be that you're telling them who you are with the pictures that you share or the the type of things that you post, but it's the wording that you use. It's owning who you are as a person. It's, It's not trying to be someone that you're not. And we don't have to always take ourselves seriously, or we don't always have to be joking or fit into the role and expectations that other people have of us. We don't have to be labeled or branded. Our personal brand is who we are at our core as a person. Who we are as a person is enough. And so if part of my personal brand is the work that I do in my role, the work that I do for my company, as corporate change initiatives come through that perhaps fundamentally change the way I work or a reorganization or a restructuring happens that changes the role I play within within the processes that I participate in, how do we think about getting back to basics on the personal brand? and evolving your personal brand or allowing your personal brand to make room for that change without destroying sort of who you know yourself to be. Right. Because the personal brand, there's how you see yourself, how others see you, and then how you want to be seen. So those, when those things come together, the ideal personal brand is combining them so that people see you the way that you want to be seen. It's kind of like a Rubik's cube. It's a difficult puzzle to solve. And some people might look at it and they see it's all jumbled. Part of our job with having a true, authentic personal brand is to align all the parts of our personality. So when people look at it, they say, this is red. Yes, this is who the person is. And they can look at the different dimensions. And there's not just the red side. There's the green, there's the yellow, there's the blue, there's the orange. There's all these different aspects of who we are as a person that we can show other people. And we're more than what we do. We're more than a label. And knowing our our core values and coming up with three to five words that really define who we are as a person, it's a way to touch back when we're going through those changes, whether it's a corporate restructuring or anything that we do. If somebody hasn't worked on their personal brand or worked intentionally on their personal brand, how does a person start thinking about branding themselves? 
Your personal brand is more than a logo. It's who you are as a person. So I encourage people to go through their box of stuff. Everyone has a box of stuff somewhere in their house that has all those important things. There might be like awards, photos, those things that really kind of those moments in your life where you had a little engine that could moment and you were like, I think I can, I think I can. And then you did it. That box is usually full of those things. It's the things that you value. So if you take a moment and dig it out from the attic or the basement or underneath your bed or closet, wherever that box is and go through and say, okay, what things in this box bring me joy? Why does it matter? Why is this so important to me? And looking at those moments, those are going to give you a really big taste about those core values, like what those things that are important, you know, is it, is it achievement? Is it, you know, some sort of physical thing or feat that you've overcome? Is it being recognized and acknowledged by others? There's going to be a theme there. And if you tap back into that and figure out what those few things are, it makes it a lot easier to align your personal brand with who you are and how you want to be seen with how others see you. So do you think about personal brand as a single pane of glass, or do we have multiple personal brands as we think about the brand that we project up in the organization, the brand that we project to our peers or the brand that we project down? How do you think about that? You are who you are, no matter what you are, but it might be something that you show someone differently. Like that Rubik's cube, where there's those different six sides of your personality, but as long as those things are all aligned and it's all red or all green on that side, that's what matters most. I spent 10 years working on genealogy and family history. A lot of times when I talk about my dead ancestors, people's eyes glaze over and they don't want to hear what I have to say. So that's not necessarily my ideal audience. And knowing your ideal audience when you're communicating who you are as a person in your personal brand, like I'm still bubbly and enthusiastic, outgoing, energetic. That's part of my personal brand. But when I'm dealing with customers or people online, I'll show them that, but they don't necessarily want to hear about that aspect of my life, even though it's part of who I am. Sure. So thinking through of the, the full portfolio of interests that you have or the full portfolio of behaviors that you have, where where exposing certain of those behaviors or interests makes the most sense. So being customer centric in your projection of your personal brand. Right. And you don't want to undermine your credibility either. And especially if you're talking, all right, how how you're going to communicate um, with senior leadership, how are you going to communicate with your subordinates? You still have positional authority that you want to be able to reinforce and your expertise with whatever industry that you're in. So you want to be able to communicate that, but the way that you do it, it's being really conscious of who your audience is and how you can connect with them. So how do you think about that personal brand on social media where, I mean, if you're in a face-to-face situation, you can adjust your messaging based on the conversation, but on social media, that is a single pane of glass. Sort of what you show there hits everybody regardless of who the audience is. That's really true. It does hit every single person regardless of the audience, but every social media platform is different. When I post on LinkedIn, my messaging is going to be slightly different than when I'm on Facebook. When I'm posting on Instagram, it's going to be a lot more visual content and and it's going to be a lot shorter. When I'm posting on TikTok, it's going to be more silly, more relaxed, more laid back. It's not going to have as many hashtags on that, just like it is inner life in general. You're communicating the ultimate message that you want to about who you are, what you value, and you're sharing your message with other people. But the way that you do it is different because it's a different audience. So when we think about, when we think about corporate change, when we think about change in the workplace as a leader, how do you adjust your message across your various stakeholders to not only communicate change, but also to promote a conversation about change? There's two ways you can go into it. You can undermine those people 
that are trying to thrust that change upon you and perceive it as that, oh my gosh, this person has no idea what they're doing. I don't know why they're making this change. It totally sucks. And you can keep that in your mind and say, all right, I'm going to give this person the benefit of the doubt. What can I learn from this situation? I'm going to make sure that I convey with the team that I'm managing. Hey, let's give this person a chance. What if there's something positive that can come from this? What's, what's one way that we can be able to help and support and embrace change? Starbucks had part of their mission statement. Embrace change is an essential component in the way we do business. And when I was a, a manager with them, I'd go over that mission statement. And every time it would remind me, wow, there's a new product. There's a new service. We did something that I would never recommend. That's probably not going to work out very well. And sometimes it didn't, but embracing that change and saying, you know what? That's okay. I'm going to roll with this. It's really hard. And yes, this sucks, but what can I learn from this? Where's the good in it? And what's the best way from your experience for organizations to foster that environment, foster that mentality among their employees of openness to change, receptiveness to change. Making sure that you're really connected with who your audience is on social media is just the same as being really connected with who your team is and the rest of your company. If a company is actually vulnerable, they're asking for feedback and actually listening to it, that's what's important. Sometimes they need to give people a heads up that, hey, change is coming. People don't necessarily want to have that change. They're used to their routine and everything like that. Also communicating what your goal is by, by doing this change and the positive thing and the result that you hope to get out of it, getting their buy-in as a stakeholder and saying, Hey, you know what? I could really use your help with doing this one part because I recognize the strength that you have to be able to help me implement the change. I think it goes a lot smoother when that happens. So as we're leading change, you've asked us to embrace the change as we're following change. What is your top piece of advice for folks that are that are in a position to be part of change that they're not in front of. Asking, what can I do to help implement this? How can I support you through this change and listening? Maybe it's not what you think it is. And maybe they're going to ask you to do something that's not as big of a thing as you think too. And then by doing it and following up, you can remind them, hey, I helped you do this one thing that you asked me to do. And that puts you in a better position with the people that are supervising you as well puts you as a change maker out there leading the process and helps you be recognized more for who you are and what you're doing and the change that you're making in your organization. Well, thank you, Jen. I know I've learned a lot today and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Now, if our listeners want to connect with you directly, how should they go about doing that? I would love to connect with them. Um, I love to form deep and meaningful connections with people. And I do that through social media. So they can um, connect with me on social media, on Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram. My handle is at Jen Campbell teaches on all of those platforms. My personal profile is hello, Jen Campbell teaches. And more importantly, when we were talking about what those core values are, I have a, a like a free template that pe people can have and they can go to jencampbell.com. There's a P in Campbell and there's only one N in Jen slash freebie, F-R-E-E-B-I-E. And they can download one of those core brand value templates, personal brand core value templates, because when you know who you are, it helps you embrace change in your life a lot easier. And I'd love to be able to help people do that more. Oh, and I'm sure that our listeners would like to take advantage of those things. We will be sure to include that information in the show notes. This has been a great conversation and hopefully our listeners can take your advice and apply it to changes and transitions in their own organization. If you'd like to continue the conversation on change management and driving connection through moments of transition, you can visit us at blueswiftconsulting.com. Thanks again, Jen. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.